What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today's very special guest is Ellie Shoja, who was a pleasure to have on uh, for multiple reasons. Um, For a lot of people that have been listening for a while, you guys know that I've always had a very bad relationship with my father. And so she has father problems of her own, but in a very extreme way, Um, something that I could never really fathom which we'll get into pretty much starting with the first question. Yeah, Ellie is very interesting. You know, when the conversation started, you know, there was all this nervous energy from me. And then as we started talking more and more, her energy kind of calmed me down a little bit, especially once she had mentioned um, Eckhart Tolle, an author, a wonderful author you guys should definitely check out that we've both read. And you know, we get into a lot of stuff like the turning point in her life. So yeah, she is an author, a speaker, a wonderful speaker at that. And uh, throughout her social media presence and her YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff, she posts a lot of positive energies. So you can check out Ellie on her Instagram page at Brave Ellie, her Peace Unleashed Facebook page, her Peace Unleashed YouTube channel, her Peace Unleashed website, peaceunleashed.com. Also, she did do a TED Talk, which I will put a link in the description box down below. Also, you can purchase her book, The 13th Planet, at Amazon.com. Ellie brings a very unique perspective to mental health, and I really appreciate that about all of my guests that come on. I've never really had the same interview twice, and I really love that, and so... Um, Yeah, Ellie is a very beautiful soul, and she does have a lot of wonderful advice, a lot of things that I really took uh, away from, um, as well as maybe some things that I should not say about myself, which will be in the interview. You guys can check that out for yourself, but uh, I always appreciate those learning moments in these uh, these podcasts. So without further ado, let's get straight into the video. everybody welcome back to the mental health chats i am lucky or mental health casual whatever you prefer and today i have another very special guest and you know i was i was thinking about this through the guests that i've had on i've just learned so much just from different walks of of life um, this particular guest has a very uh, interesting background, um, and for people that are new to this, maybe they don't know me, and they're they're coming here because of uh, my particular guest today. Um, I've always had very, uh, I've always had a very tumultuous relationship with my father, um, just from him abandoning me um, at, um, you know, around the seventh grade, and uh, it always had a very big effect on my life. It even to the point where uh, yesterday at a uh, uh, a church meeting, I ended up kind of breaking down just thinking about uh, some of the things that had happened. Um, However, uh, my father didn't exactly uh, go the same route as this. Um, So Ellie, thank you so much for being on the mental health chats today. I really appreciate it. Could you kind of talk about your your journey? This is usually where I ask about their people's mental health journeys, but I feel like you'd kind of have to talk about your journey first and kind of how you um, what kind of brought you into, you know, the, the person that you are today, but could you just kind of talk about your journey and your background for people that don't know? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much. Like you for having me on your show that what you're doing is so important. Mental health, especially right now is such an important topic. And so many people are struggling with their own mental health, no matter what it looks like on the outside, you know, it's a lot of people who are 
smiling through life and look very successful are struggling. And, and so you taking the time and investing your energy into this topic that is so important uh, is just absolutely wonderful and heartwarming. And I'm just incredibly grateful to be here with you. And so as far as my journey goes, I grew up, I basically moved about 30 times before the age of 15. And that's because my dad was an international con man. We moved from country to country. We changed our identities. And uh, he was also very uh, abusive and manipulative. And uh, he was also young, you know, like he was young and didn't know any better. I have I have forgiven and have incredible compassion. But at the time when I was a kid, I wasn't able to, uh, you know, understand why he would abandon us or go to court and say, these aren't my kids. So he wouldn't have to pay child support. So we had to do DNA testing or uh, why we would have to lie about our identities um, and, <clears throat> and create all these, uh, all this like anxiety within ourselves. Like I didn't understand it. So as a result, uh, I, I just felt like it was my fault because as kids, we do, we feel like, well, I'm unlovable. Well, I'm uh, not enough. I'm not able to, uh, you know, fulfill my duties as this perfect person. So therefore my parents are falling apart or they're behaving the way they do. And, um, and for me, it manifested into uh, just extreme anxiety. I had nervous tics, very severe nervous tics. Uh, I had mood disorders I, and I, I had suicidal ideation by the time I was 12. And, and that continued into my teens and into my 20s. And at some point in my 20s, I was in just so much inner pain. And my ex-husband at the time gave me a book. He gave me The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And that book just lifted the, the, this haze a little bit. And it, for the first time, I could kind of breathe. I could real, I realized that there's more to us than the physical body, than the physical experience. There's something else living within us that is perhaps more alive than, uh, than the physical existence that, that we experience as humans. And that just kind of like inspired this deep dive into the realms of spirituality, of psychology, of philosophy for the purpose of just healing. I just wanted to not be in pain. That was my goal. And initially everything I learned was for that purpose. And eventually it, uh, it, you know, as I found more peace within myself and as I found more kind of grounding within myself and that depth that is inside of us, there's so much beauty and expansion in there. You know, you can explore forever. And as I gained access to that space within myself, something really amazing started happening, which is that I started becoming a beacon of light in the lives of those around me, because that's ultimately what happens when we find peace uh, we allow those around us to tap into the peace that is their birthright. And that trickles out into our families, into our communities, and eventually into the world. So, so now I have made it my mission to share as much as possible everything that I have learned so that others 
who are in a place of darkness can find that light and grounding and peace within themselves and connect to that uh, expansive, uh, you know, just feeling of enoughness that is their birthright. Yeah, really well said. And I, I think I had read um, uh, A New Earth, um, also by Eckhart mm-hmm. Tolle. And, uh, you know, I, I was just curious, you know, you had just talked about, you know, kind of looking inside and, and seeing, you know, this incredible, you know, all of this stuff. But I, I just wonder, was there any, were there any barriers? Because, you know, when I was going through my manic phase and just seeing things I didn't want to see, were there barriers that maybe you just didn't want to see at first? And how did you uh, overcome those to actually um, do a deep dive into yourself? Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't like silence. They don't like to be quiet within themselves because what, what is inside of us initially is scary, you know? And, and part of that is because there's, for me, there was this deep sense of being bad, you know, like somehow my very existence was, was not good, you know? And, uh, and so then when we start looking inward, you're afraid. You're afraid of encountering uh, just things within yourself that validate that feeling of unlovableness and unworthiness. You know, like it, it, it's kind of scary when when we first start looking inside of ourselves. For me, I had to just kind of accept, come to a place of realizing that who I am and what I am at the core of it, it's pure positive energy. And whatever I see within myself that, that I am judging, that I am kind of scared of, uh, all of that is their stories, their programming, things I have programmed myself that are untrue, you know? So, uh, I'll give you an example. My dad was extremely manipulative, incredibly great liar, you know, and uh, and I saw that ability to lie convincingly really well within myself, you know, and I saw myself having those uh, kind of abilities to manipulate situations. And for me, that was very scary because I'm like, I don't want to turn into a con man like my father was, right? I don't want that life. I don't want to be associated with that. So for a long time, I just kind of denied that and just didn't even look at it. It's like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to acknowledge that. But when I finally was like, you know what? Yeah, it's, I do have that ability and it's somehow maybe it was passed down genetically, or maybe I have learned it through, uh, through being exposed to this person for, uh, you know, 12 years of my life, you know, for whatever reason, I do have that ability, but it doesn't mean anything. It's like, it doesn't mean that I'm going to turn into a con man. It doesn't mean that a con woman, it doesn't mean that I'm going to use it in the way that, uh, my dad was using it to like, Uh, to hurt people who are really close to him. But it does mean that because I understand what it takes to lie convincingly, I can then have, that is within my range. So now I'm an author, I'm a writer. I can have a character who lies very convincingly and uses those techniques. It actually happens in my latest novel, The 13th Planet. My character has to lie 
but in order to save his own life, but he, you know, it, it, he can't do it. He can't really lie. So, so then he uses a technique from my, that I learned from my dad, where he strings together half truths and untruths and just kind of muddies this up into some version of reality that he can believe in. And then, and then he saves his own life doing that. So it's within my range to do that, but it also allows me that range also allows me to connect with people who are using lying and, um, and betrayal and manipulation in ways that are hurtful, because I know where that comes from. And I know, um, I know what it feels like the need to kind of deceive what that feels like. And I can speak to that. And somebody who is in a place where they feel like they have to deceive in order to be loved. If I can connect with that person on, on that level, then I can show them that, Hey, there's a, there's a different way to go about it. There's another way to live, you know, you, uh, in order to be loved or understood or accepted, uh, you don't necessarily have to manipulate. I don't know if that answered your question. No, that, that definitely but. does. I, I I think that that's a really good point, right? Because I feel like, um, you know, and I, I was a very good liar for a long time. I had a lot of um, sociopathic qualities uh, when I was very, like a lot younger. And uh, it just, you know, it got so um, exhausting putting on all these different masks around people. You know, you, you know, I was... I was a band geek over here, but then, you know, I, I, when I was over at my other cliques, I'd be like, Hey, F the band geeks, you know, <laughs> they're losers, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And it, it gets very exhausting. And you had kind of touched on a couple of points that I wanted to get into real quick. Um, when you had talked about forgiveness now, you know, your father put you through, through a lot, at least mm -hmm. from what I understand. And so do you think that um, forgiveness and acceptance are, are acceptance is kind of the key to forgiveness I think the key to forgiveness is compassion. Uh, when we see someone through the lens of compassion, you know, when, when we just kind of like remove the judgment from the situation, then what happens is whatever they did, it starts softening up because an event happened. They did something. And in our minds, it was so damaging it was so hurtful that we categorize it as a sin right it's like it's unredeemable they were a terrible person they were a monster to do this to us right but now if you look at that event that action through the lens of compassion and love and sometimes i know it's it's hard to do you know sometimes People do certain things out of their own pain that that is extremely painful. And it takes a while to get to a place where you can see that person as a human being who makes mistakes and who acts out of their own pain. So if you're able to just kind of remove that emotional component, you know, just almost elevate yourself above that situation and look at it really, truly, as if you're looking at a bunch of three-year-olds interacting with each other, you know, it's, it's a lot easier for us to have compassion for three-year-olds than grown people, right? But, but if you look at it through that lens of compassion, you're able to see, identify the pain that that person was experiencing when they, when they did the things they did, right? So, uh, 
nobody acts in a hurtful manner if they are not hurting themselves, if, if there's something within them that, that they're not, that is unresolved, some pain that is unresolved, right? So that doesn't mean that when you see them through the lens of compassion, it doesn't mean that you put yourself in dangerous situations. Those, that's not the same thing, right? Unconditional love is not unconditional permission. When I forgive someone, when I see somebody's innocence, when I see someone's pain, when I'm able to release them of my judgment, it doesn't mean that I then turn around and come back into a situation that is harmful, right? Because if they haven't resolved their pain within themselves, they're probably going to behave in a painful manner again, right? So, so I, I then I need to not put myself into in those uh, harmful, potentially harmful situations. But me not putting myself into those situations does not mean that I carry forth this anger and resentment and pain and the suffering, right? I can I can release myself and I can release them of that right? I can say, hey, I love you. You have done certain things that were painful for me, you know, and, uh, and I can see that you were behaving out of your own pain. And I have incredible amount of compassion for the pain that you put yourself through as a result of your actions. Still not going to be in your life. But I really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, hope that you find peace within your heart, right? So I'm, I'm going to release myself of all of that pain. I'm going to release you of my judgment. It doesn't serve you, right? So now we are both free. Now I have, I have uh, forgiven. I have truly forgiven and I have freed the other person and I have freed myself simultaneously. And part of that forgiveness, by the way, Lucky, is forgiving ourselves because somebody will do something to us. It's painful. They did that thing once. They did the thing they did one time. But then what we do is we turn around and we use their action as an excuse to torment ourselves for month after month, year after year, decade after decade, right? They did their act one time. It's like somebody comes and stabs you one time. And then our unforgiveness is basically we grab that blade and we just stab ourselves in the same place where they stabbed one time. We just keep doing this for the rest of our lives. Stop, 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 stop. And that's insanity, right? That's insanity. Like unforgiveness is absolute insanity. So when we forgive, we basically put that blade down. We say, hey, you did that to me one time. I've been, I've been doing that, perpetuating it within myself for the last 10 years. I'm done with it. I see your innocence. I see your pain. I release you of my judgment. And also I am going to release myself of judgment as well. I'm also going to forgive myself for the decade that I have perpetuated this pain. Yeah, that's really well said. I think 
you know, there, there's a lot to it, right? Because, you know, I think, I mean, it's funny because even if you look up the definition of forgiveness, it's not like letting somebody off the hook. It literally just means to let go of the, uh, of the feelings of anger and resentment towards yeah. somebody or something that, that harmed you, which was actually very surprising to me when I saw that, when I just Google searched and I was like, oh, I, I never knew that. It's, it's very interesting how we, um, we hear words and we just automatically, you know, maybe where it's, it's ingrained. So somebody uses it wrong. And then it's like Mandela affected into us uh, at that point mm-hmm. to the point where it becomes, uh, you know, like an abomination of what it once was. But yeah, I really, I really like that answer. And I think, um, you know, I, I'd watched, uh, you know, your TED talk and I was, I was, it's very interesting when you had everybody um, give their phones, their cell phones to somebody yeah. else. Right. Um, and I was thinking, I, I'm a very empathetic person. So putting myself in somebody else's shoes is actually very easy. And I was just thinking about the, the anxiety that I would have had, you know, somebody having my phone, you know, my <laughs> bank accounts on there, my, you know, all this stuff is yeah. on there. Um, and you know, I, I, I didn't realize it until like, until like right after you were done, that's when everybody got their phone back. It was in turn. They, they had to listen to you while having their phone in a different place. Yeah. So in, in a way they were kind of outside of their comfort zone, but mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you this because, you know, you talked about how stuff kind of, um, makes us feel, makes us think that we're not enough, right? If you think about yeah. like Instagram, you think about these things, you're always, con- you're constantly comparing yourself to somebody else mm-hmm. in a lot of these senses. I mean, why do you think we are so um, attracted to things that make us suffer? I mean, it's it's like anything, right? Like I was I was addicted to, to marijuana and, uh-huh. you know, even though the, the uh, you know, the reward was, was very good, you know, in the short term, I just would never think about the long term, it just never really happened. So why do you think we are so attracted to a lot of these things that make us suffer? I think at our core, we're not. And I think this is also part of the upside downness of the world, you know, the the world is a bit upside down. And I think the upside downness is that we, we have just kind of like glommed onto our suffering you know, but I think at our core, we're not, you know, at our core, we are beings that are very expansive and, uh, and there are certain characteristics present in us that you can readily see in children, for example. Right. Uh, And I'll give you a couple of examples of what I mean. Um, Children don't doubt themselves or their abilities or their ability to get whatever they want, right? If they want something, it's like, oh, I want it. I, I'm gonna get it, right? It's they they get excited about, oh, I'm I'm I I, I want a, a bicycle and uh, I'm gonna get it. This is what I'm gonna do. This is you know they start plotting about it unless they have been taught by their parents who live in the upside down world that you can't have everything you want. You're not supposed to be so happy-go-lucky. You need to work hard in order to get the things. You need to make yourself uncomfortable. You, need to, you know, it's like th- there's there's certain stories that we as adults have kind of internalized that we then teach to children, but it's not their natural way of being. Like uh, children, for example, know when they are hungry and when they're done eating, right? They'll they'll eat when they're hungry. They're done when they're done, right? You don't, you don't have to like force them to eat because they will communicate. But 
as adults, we kind of get stressed out about their food. Are they getting enough food? Are like they have to finish everything on their plate? This, like we start putting conditions and and things on these kids um, in order to kind of like turn them, harden them for the hard world. But we're kind of snuffing out. Uh, the the natural kind of guidance of our bodies and of our minds, you know, uh, like another thing is kids know what they're comfortable with and they know what they're not comfortable with. We have that same ability as grownups as well. Like we know where we thrive and where we don't thrive, right? We know our our abilities and what it takes for us to expand our abilities, right? Um, a, a kid, if you take a kid to a playground, the first couple of times, you know, they should, maybe they don't know, the kid doesn't know what all of the stuff is, right? The first few days, the kid will want the parent right next to them, right? It's like, hey, show me how to do the swing and the slide and the this and the that, right? So, but so instinctively, the child knows this is a strange space. I feel uncomfortable and I am going to create a bridge for myself and, and use this person who knows how to navigate this space to teach me how to function within the space, right? The, the, the child instinctively understands that and, and slowly builds up the courage and the ability to play within that playground. And then eventually after like a week or two, you don't even have to, you can just sit on the sidelines and the kid knows exactly what to do with everything, right? As grownups, we don't give ourselves that same courtesy. When we're in a space where we feel like, you know, uncomfortable and, oh my gosh, I'm in all over my head. We don't say, Hey, let me find somebody who is really good at this, who can mentor me to kind of find my way, you know, find my comfort within this space. Right. We don't do that. We just kind of feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so out of my element. Uh, I must be terrible. I'm stupid for not being able to figure this out instantly. Like we put all these crazy conditions on ourselves that, that don't make any sense, but naturally if we just um, allowed ourselves to be as we really are as, as these kids, naturally, we know that we want to create bridges for ourselves, right? We, we know to ask for help. We know, but unfortunately, I think we are kind of like trained out of listening to our natural uh, kind of instincts, right? I mean, what happens when we go to school? We go to school uh, we have to, like, we can't even get up and use the restroom when we feel like we need to, right? We have to ask for permission. We are graded based on, um, you know, these standards that don't always apply to every single child, right? They, they make some kids feel a lot more insecure than others, right? So um, I think our system is a little bit upside down and backwards and and it kind of trains us out of uh these um uh, out of kind of trusting our own inner guidance you know and if we did i don't think that that we really thrive 
or want to bring forth all of our suffering. I'll mention one other example. Uh, news. News covers less than 1% of what's happening. If it's like one in a million, it'll cover it, right? But we, we have created a society that amplifies the one in a million instances that are negative, right? So what is that training us to do on a daily basis? If we reverse that within our lives alone, I've done this in my life and I encourage every person watching this, listening to this, to do this in their own life, reverse it amplify all the things that are going right. Instead of when, you, when, when uh, something goes wrong and you feel crappy, write it down, forget about it, like release it, release it out of you. But when something goes right, dwell on it. The same way that we tell the stories of, oh my gosh, did you hear what she said to me? That was like so mean, but the same energy you would spend on like the negative stuff spend it on the positive stuff. And you start rewiring your brain, undoing the society's kind of uh, impact on, on you. And you start living in a more natural way. It's, uh, you, and, and you realize that you don't want to dwell on the negative stuff. You actually want to dwell on the positive stuff. It's all about building that habit, building that muscle. Yeah, I, I think, you know, especially you hit it, hit the nail on the head, in my opinion, about the news thing, right? Is because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, there's some, some people that I know that just consistently watch the news. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it reminds me of like a Friedrich Nietzsche quote, where it's like, um, you know, if you look into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you. And it's, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's just so interesting, because, you know, from a mental health perspective, like I get that, you know, because <laughs> I'm, you know, at one point I was just always in my negative thoughts. And of course yeah. they were looking back at me. Right. It was just a constant, um, it was like a constant circle. And, you know, I, you kind of bring up this, this natural, uh, state of people. Right. And I was just wondering, you know, when we talk about, cause you, one of the things that you talk about a lot is like inner peace. Right. Mm -hmm. And do you think that inner peace can be achieved, uh, apps? Well, with without considering what the outer world is like without outer peace do you think it's possible to do that 100% 100% 2020 was such an interesting year and you find very uh contrasting experiences between people right there are some people for whom this was an amazing year it was fantastic they got so much done they started business they've been making money they're connecting with their friends on a deeper level um there's a lot of healing happening and then you have the exact opposite happening for other people where it was just a lot of suffering a lot of pain and your experience of this year depends on your relationship with yourself. <laughs> Ultimately, 
Ultimately, if you are at peace within yourself, you had a great experience. If you were not at peace within yourself, you did not have a great experience. So when everything is taken away, all the distractions, all the like social obligations, your job, your, um, you know, family obligations and social events, like everything is taken away. You are left by yourself. You're left within yourself. And Here's the thing about inner peace. Inner peace belongs to everyone. It lives within everyone equally. Inner peace is like uh, the sun. The sun never goes away. It's always shining. It's always shining. Now, what happens is our emotions are kind of like the weather, right? So if you have a storm of anger, of frustration, of despair, you don't see that sun shining right above it. It's right above it, right? If you have this, this haze, this fog of just kind of lethargia, you're not seeing the sun, right? But the sun is right there. The inner peace is right there. The question becomes, how do I break through the weather and tap into my peace? There are certain things that you can do with your mindset, right? One of them is realizing that your emotions are not the reality of you. Your emotions don't even say anything about who you are. They don't even say anything about the situation you're in. Your emotions are simply uh, chemical reactions within your body that are tied to the way you are experiencing the world. You are seeing the world, right? They're directly tied to the lens through which you are looking at the world. So if I know that, if I know that my emotions are, emotion, are physical chemical reactions that are tied to the way I'm choosing to look at the situation, then I'm in the driver's seat because guess what? There is more than one way of looking at a situation. And all I have to do to change my emotional state of being, to change the weather, so to speak, is choose a different lens to look through, right? So I have to be willing to ask myself the question, am I willing to look at this differently? Powerful question. I'm, I'm in a situation and in this situation, uh, let's say, lucky you come and you punch me in the stomach, right? Out of the blue, you just punch me really hard in the stomach and I'm out of breath. And, and what I'm thinking, the lens through which I, I'm looking at is um, lucky hates me because I'm a worthless piece of crap, right? And that's the lens through which I'm looking and I feel like crap, right? Now, if I know that the feeling I'm experiencing is linked to that interpretation of that event, then I can ask myself, am I willing to see the situation differently? If my answer is no, if I'm going to say, well, there's no other way of looking at the situation. Lucky hates me. And I, and he hates me because I'm a piece of crap. Like there's no other interpretation. If I, if I'm defending my emotion, then that storm is here to stay. And at this point I am choosing to feel crappy. <laughs> but if I say, yes, I'm willing to look at this differently because I want to feel differently. I want to feel better. Then I can ask the follow-up question. 
how else can I look at the situation that makes me feel a little bit better? I might think to myself, well, um, Lucky has never punched me in the stomach, right? He must be having a really hard day, really bad day. I wonder what's going on for him that, you know, he feels like he needed to hurt somebody else in this way, right? So now I'm not taking on that action to mean anything negative about me. I'm not saying, well, because I deserved it. I'm a piece of crap. You know, I, I, I said that mean thing behind his back and now, and he found out and like, I'm not, I'm not saying all of that. I'm saying, I wonder what, what, what's going on for him. And, and then I can come to the, to the dialogue. If there's a possibility of it through compassion, I can say, Hey, um, that, that, that was kind of, that was kind of hurtful. You know, what's, what's going on? What can I help you with? You know, is there something we can talk through, you know, what's happening? And now I have opened up conversation. I've looked at the situation in a different way, in a way that is not disempowering for me, that actually opens up dialogue. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it reminds me of, I mean, you just talked about you know, <laughs> punching, but um, I was just thinking about, you know, when I used to do uh, mixed martial arts and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of had to do that every single time you got caught with something, right? If you got punched, you couldn't just be like, oh man, he punched me because I suck. And this, it, it, you didn't have time for it because you just, you know, there's somebody just waiting to punch you more <laughs> and <laughs> kind of have to, you kind of have to like get over it and move on, you know, and obviously, you know, there are, um, little lessons you learn in the middle of a sparring match, you know, oh, he punched me because, you know, my hand is too, too, uh, mm-hmm. too far down, I have to bring it back up. And, you know, you make little adjustments like that. And I think that's mm-hmm. a lot like life, but in life, we do get a lot of, um, we do get a lot of, uh, you know, kind of time to, to deal with things. And sometimes we just kind of put it off. <laughs> so, you know, it just keeps on, we just kind of keep on letting it happen. But I wanted to talk to you about also, you kind of did this big, you know, in your TED talk, you talked about, you know, going through this big, like soul searching journey where you just kind of, you know, give up your stuff, you know, move somewhere else, you know, all this kind of stuff. Do you think that helped you with realizing this, um, this attachment to stuff? And, you know, um, because I feel like sometimes when I'm like devoid of things, I'm just there's this initial suffering period of just Mm -hmm. intense suffering, just thinking, oh, my God, my life's never going to be the same. And then all of a sudden, like my life keeps going. I'm like, how's my life, how's my life still going? Like, what's going on here? Like, how, how did, how did that affect you when you went through that, that whole journey? Oh man. Like it's so empowering to release everything and, and move on because you do realize that it, here's, here's what I learned releasing, letting go of all material possessions and, and going on the road on this spiritual sabbatical that I call it. Uh, we think that we need the world to define what we are. You know, we need our our stuff. We need our home, our address, our uh, clothing, you know, our profession. Uh, We need these things to kind of like define who we are, right? And then when they are taken away, we we feel like our identity is somehow at risk. Like we don't know who we are anymore. And it almost feels like you're, you're free falling, right? You're free falling and you're just gonna fall apart in a way, right? And when I did that in 2018, when I just 
gave up my apartment, gave up everything, put everything in storage and just went on the road essentially for a year. Uh, what I realized is that the world is designed to support us. Like the energy that is us, we cannot fall. It's like you, you jump off a ledge you know, you think you're taking this huge risk and you jump off a ledge and you think you're going to fall and you think, you know, I, I really sure hope that I have wings so I can fly, but none of that happens because you jump and you're suspended and you realize the world just, the, the energy of the universe is there to support us, to just hold us. And that was, and I don't know if I'm making any sense, you know, but, but that was like my biggest discovery, you know, was that realizing that I don't have to be anything. I don't have to do anything to be worthy of existing, you know, to be worthy of just, just being, you know, and just by the virtue of being this thing that I am, I am supported a hundred percent by the energy that, that is the universe, that, that is everything, you know? And, and that was just this incredibly empowering emotion, uh, not even an emotion, just empowering knowledge, knowingness, you know, because I realized we do things in the world uh, because we think we're supposed to attain status or stuff or whatever in order to justify our existence, in order to justify people's affection towards us, you know, but none of that matters. None of that matters because all connection happens on the level of connection, on the level of soul, on the level of just what you are, you know, who you are. And, and who you are is essentially that, that, that incredible energy that occupies all of us. Um, I know this is kind of, this, this, this was like a really ethereal answer, but if you have a specific thing, I can dig into it more. No, I mean, I think that's a really good point. And I was, I was just thinking about, um, you know, going back to martial arts. I remember I was sparring with one of my, um, uh, one of my teachers at the time, and he had brought one of his friends who was um, into um, Aikido. And uh, I got my butt kicked pretty bad in the first round. And then I went over to go, uh, to go, uh, you know, <laughs> to go recover. And uh, the guy, the Aikido guy kind of came up to me. He's like, what are you doing? Like, they, you didn't put up a fight at all. Like, what's going on here? And I was like, I mean, he's my teacher. Like, what am I going to do to him? And he's like, just forget he's your teacher. Just forget. He's got two arms. He's got two legs you can do this, you know, and it's interesting because you had kind of taken away, you know, this identity. Well, once I took his identity away, he just became, you know, like me. And granted, I know I also have to take into account, like, you know, he knows judo, he knows this, so I should avoid this and this. But um, once you take away the, you know, and I think that's a big thing with like social anxiety as well, right? Because when we talk about social anxiety, a big part of it has to do with comparison right I mean it happens mm -hmm. to me almost every single time I come on here I'm mm -hmm. thinking oh my god I'm interviewing this person they don't want to be on this show they don't you know everything just starts flooding in like really really bad and then it just um you know it just kind of happens granted I do eventually find that peaceful spot 
Um, usually during the interview, it's just just mm-hmm. beforehand that it's very difficult. But you know, it's it's almost like you you took this very big leap. And do you think that sometimes extreme um, extreme problems require some type of extreme measure? Because you know, if you think about it. Um, you know, we just talked about like um, Eckhart Tolle and, you know, he had this incredible experience where he just went through like one of the worst depressive funks of his yeah. whole life. And then he just awakened, you know, I had um, a person on here, um, Alexander Shia, and he was talking about, you know, he had this, you know, he got kicked, you know, he he couldn't go to seminary and his father just owned him afterwards. And then he had this uh, incredible just you know, all these suicidal thoughts and then he just awakened and now, you know, he's all over, he's traveling all, or he was traveling all over the world and doing this kind of stuff. I mean, do you think that uh, those extreme measures are necessary for those kind of extreme problems? Um, so I, I, I believe, and I've had uh, personal experiences that corroborate this, uh, that we choose the lives that we, that we are living. You know, we, we, when I was younger, I thought, well, I don't, I didn't have a choice about the family I was born into. And, and actually at a 10 day meditation retreat, I had this, this knowledge that no, I I chose this life and I chose it for a specific purpose. I chose it because I knew that, that it would help my personal journey, spiritual journey, my, my expanse expansion journey, you know, and I do think a lot of um, souls that want to, you know, advance very quickly, or they want to, uh, in this life further, uh, you know, their expansion, you know, their evolution, because the, your soul is constantly evolving and becoming more dense and becoming, um, you know, becoming, um, more knowing, you know? And so a lot of these souls pick lives that, that have a lot of, contrast. And I don't call it trauma. I don't call it suffering because it's contrast. (laughs) You know, the the contrast is beautiful. The contrast is there in order to help us uh, define what it is we don't want so that we can understand and define what it is we do want. The contrast is there to help us, um, you know, dig deeper within ourselves so that you can, we can root our identity deep into that incredible well of being that is that is us right so i don't think it's accidental that a lot of the most awakened enlightened people have had incredibly contrasting experiences in their past i don't think those experiences always lead to an awakening i think it requires uh, th- that opportunity is present for everyone, but I think it does require that moment of letting go, you know, letting go of the identity that is locking you in that cage, you know, and um, in, in that sense, uh, I do think people like Eckhart Tolle or people uh, like uh, Oprah, you know, you know, people who, who have had incredible experiences of just pain and suffering, it gets to a certain point that they can't anymore. And I think that extreme pain is a huge motivator for the argument for 
releasing and letting go and, and just like taking the lid off that, that pot and, and, you know, letting it, uh, letting things evaporate, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really beautifully said. You know, I think, I think, you know, whenever I talk to people about, um, you know, because obviously there's a lot of arguing, um, there's been a lot of arguing happening, happening just everywhere and everything for some reason now. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating to me because I've always, you know, I came from like a philosophy background before I dropped out of college. And that was like everything, everything was in a debate, you know, but you always wanted to do it to get to truth. And, yeah. you know, I think, uh, you know, I think, just thinking about it right now, you know, even other things in my life translate that, you know, I, I like to uh, work out, I, I like to do like bodybuilding type things. And without tension, you don't get results, you know, that's yeah. just the whole thing. And, you know, I mean, I, I had, I, I, it's just such a common theme whenever I, I speak to people that there's this um, rock bottom moment where they just, they, they realize they have to make a change at some point. And, you know, whether it be through, you know, like with addiction to me, you know, I ended up, um, losing some friends and um, just realized that my my alcoholism wasn't just affecting me because I think that was the problem was I thought it only affected me so I was okay with it but once it started affecting other people that's when I started having problems with it and you know I I'm just wondering you know I'm, I'm always kind of fascinated with you know technology in general and we kind of talked a little bit beforehand but do you think there's ever going to be a time because you know I, I think we forget that humans are adaptable at the same mm -hmm. time do you think there's ever going to be a point where we will kind of evolve to the point where or evolve with our technology because I feel like to a certain extent you know we're still kind of um, a bit of the same kind of uh, people that you know maybe our grandparents were and this technological boom happened within like the 90s all the way till now you know I just remember you know, having a, I don't, I, you know, I remember not even having a computer, you know, my dad was walking around with a pager, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, do you think there's ever going to be a time where we kind of evolve with it? Or are we just going to get so far with technology that we won't be able to um, evolve with it? I think that we are actually building technology in our own image. Uh, I, I think the internet is probably the, the best most robust representation of the law of attraction, which, which governs us as beings. Um, I think that uh, we are so connected telepathically to each other that we're constantly, I mean, what are we doing right now? Like we're, we're, we're talking, we're translating vibration into, into information. I mean, I'm creating sounds that you are receiving inside your brain and then translating it into things that you, you know, into concepts that you understand. I mean, that's an incredible uh, ability, right? We are translators. We're translating constantly. We're getting so much information through our senses, through our eyes, through our ears, through our, our sense of touch. But those are just the basic senses, you know? Have you ever uh, looked at your phone and known that someone was about to call you or your phone rings? And before you look at the, uh, who it is, you know exactly who it is. You wake up in the morning and uh, you haven't you feel like, oh, I should call, uh, you know, so and so. And then you call them and 
either they were just thinking about you or they really needed to talk to you. I mean, we are communicating with each other constantly in ways that we don't even perceive, right? And the world is communicating with us in ways that we are aware of and in ways that we are not aware of as well. So this communication is two-way, it's constant, it's, it's happening at all times. I mean, we have phrases like when it rains, it pours. Why? Because when I fall into a negative mindset, everything around me that perpetuates those same negative thoughts are going to find me. That means the people that make me feel that like that are going to call me or find their way to me. That means if there is an accident that's going to feel that way, it's going to find me, right? So the opposite is true. If I wake up, I'm on top of the world, I feel really great. Experiences, people, circumstances that make me feel great like that are going to find me. Why? This is the law of attraction. This is how the universe organizes itself, right? This is, this is, um, This is the most powerful kind of tool that we have at our disposal to kind of create anything that we want in our lives, right? We are creating that in our technology. We are basically modeling our technology after us. Will we ever out, um, will our, uh, what was the question? Will the technology ever outgrow us? I don't think so. Because I don't think that we have even tapped into 1% of 1% of what the human is and what the human is capable of doing. I mean, all of the like, um, the non-obvious senses, you know, the the telepathy type stuff, right? Uh, Translating sounds that are not so obvious, uh, you, you might hear non-physical beings or see them or whatever it is, right? All of those senses are right now a bit underdeveloped, but there's more and more people with those abilities coming up, right? Uh, I don't think we even know what the human is capable of when we start consciously, consciously and deliberately looking into and developing those abilities and, and, and just working with those within ourselves. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And I think our technology will always reflect those expansions. Wow. I'm not going to lie to you, uh, Ellie. I think you blew my mind a lot <laughs> with that. I, I kind of, uh, I got to need a second here. Uh, that, uh, you know, it, it's fascinating, right? Because I've always, I've always had a very pessimistic view on technology you know, I didn't own a smartphone until 20, uh, 2019. Um, I was very against it. I really didn't want one. Then, you know, they ended up um, upselling me one. I was like, crap, it's cheaper than a <laughs> phone. So, you know, it, it ended up just going there. But that is a, a fascinating point, too, because, you know, what we kind of, you know, you kind of talked about this, which is kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like sometimes when you're, you know, when you're super uh, down about things and you're like, oh, I'll never be able to do this. Well, then you just never do it because yeah. it's self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and then you attract people who will tell you you will never do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, that, that's always a, an interesting yeah. thing. So, you know, once if Don't you can kind of catch it. Yeah. If you can always catch yourself in that before you go down that kind of loop, we call it um, going down the well or, or lo- sorry, looking down the well, you never look down the well. And so um, in my in my friend group, uh, but 
Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. And you you are an author, and you know I've been writing a lot more lately. Not you know to make a book or anything, but just you know journal keeping all that kind of stuff. And I've I've noticed that you know, well, A, I'm a terrible writer, but B, is that there is just so much uh, catharsis in it because all of a sudden I'm just writing, these thoughts aren't in my head anymore. They're on They're on something. I'm putting them out there. I mean, how has uh, writing helped you? You know, you talked about, you know, having one of your characters, you know, lie and, you know, kind of having that experience and stuff. Like how, how has writing um, uh, affected you and how has it really benefited you? First of all, I, I want to take a moment and uh, I, I want to, correct you lucky uh i i want to challenge you to take a couple of things out of your vocabulary out of out of the way you speak number one uh, i'm not writing to make a book or anything like that why not you are perfectly qualified to make a book you are perfectly qualified to share ideas that are going to help people. You're doing this podcast. You have incredibly interesting people on, you know, and you've had an incredibly interesting journey. You are qualified to write something that is going to be passed down and, and help people find, you know, their voice, their piece. Number two, take out of rotation the sentence I'm a terrible writer. <laughs> you knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're not a terrible writer. Writing is, uh, writing is not something, uh, yes, some people are, it's a lot easier for them. You can say they're, oh, that person's such a great writer, blah, 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 right? But they, they write. Writers, writers write. And then the more you write, the more you kind of express yourself through words, the more those words uh, become easily accessible to you, you know? And there is not a single writer who writes one draft, I mean, and then is done. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Writers are constantly revising, cleaning their, their stuff up, making things more clear and, um, and, and constantly improving on that craft. How, how else can I explain this? You know, how else can I share this idea, share this thought? How can I make it more accessible to people? So, and all it takes is for you to be willing to do that. And then you can be a writer. And you can be a good writer. Uh, I resist the the notion of good writer, bad writer, you know, because it's either the writer who's willing to spend the time to express the thoughts uh, in the way that they need to be expressed in the most clearest way possible, or it's the writer who doesn't want to spend, you know, that, that time. And then you might choose not to, it doesn't make you a bad writer. It makes you um, a writer who doesn't, you know, who doesn't want to do that. Or it makes you a person who doesn't want to uh, develop the craft of writing, right? Maybe, maybe your thing is more music or something else. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, but take those out of your rotation. Who knows? You might, you might write. <laughs> James Clear didn't think he was a writer. He started a blog and then 
a couple years later ended up writing a book and he says he's like he never considers himself a writer so um so having said that writing for me personally has been extremely cathartic it's uh it's uh it's basically my vehicle my tool to find clarity and to share ideas uh words come easily to me the same way that for somebody else uh painting might come easier or music might come easier or visual storytelling might come easier. So I have incredible amount of patience when it comes to writing. Uh, I'm not a better writer or worse writer than somebody else, but I am excited about writing. So then I spend the hours in front of my laptop rewriting and rewriting and rewriting the same stuff until it feels like it's flowing. So, um, so in that sense, it's, it's quite wonderful, but, um, I've always had a journal with me and journaling is one of the most powerful tools of release, uh, for me. And uh, because what happens when you're journaling, when you're writing by hand in a journal, you're creating these squiggles, these drawings, right? That's what letters are. And in those squiggles, you're activating the right side of your brain, your, the, the creative mind, the part of your brain that connects you essentially to the present moment, to the divinity within yourself, to that infinite space that we are talking about within the self, right? To the place where you feel, it's the feeling brain, you know, it's the, it's a part of you that feels uh, more connected, that feels more at peace, that all resides in your right hemisphere. And when you're writing by hand, you activate that. What happens is when something happens that is traumatic or that we don't like, we start entering these thought loops and that's the left hemisphere, right? So it's the judgment. It's the, I'm going to think about this until, you know, until I think myself into a pretzel, you know, it's like, I'm not going to let it go because I can't let it go. And, and so we, we just kind of like ruminate and think and think and think, and we can think ourselves into really damaging places, you know? And when you then take those same thoughts that are keeping you stuck and keeping you stuck in the storms of anger, of frustration, of helplessness, of whatever it is that's, that, that is being activated, and you start putting those thoughts into words and then putting those words onto a page with a pen or a pencil, activating the right side of your brain, something really powerful happens. You actually start to you know, connect your right and left hemispheres, the creative mind and the critical mind, you know, the, the present time and, you know, and this crazy time thing that happens on the left side, you know, the, the past and the future thing. And, and you come into the present moment and then it makes it a lot easier to kind of release whatever those emotions were and work through those emotions and, and ask yourself those questions we talked about earlier. Like, am I willing to look at this differently? And you can write that in. It's like, um, Sarah did this terrible thing and I am so upset and I feel like crap. And I feel like, uh, I am this horrible person who's unworthy of love and affection and blah, 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 blah. 
am I willing to see this differently? Oh, interesting. I'm not. That means I actually am enjoying feeling helpless and powerless and blah, 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 blah. That is, that is kind of an interesting thing because I really do want to feel better, but I'm not willing to let her off the hook and I'm not willing to let me, I mean, you start, you start working through it and then you start releasing it. And before you know it, your energy rises. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I found more um, solace in, uh, in poetry. I'm more of a poet. And so one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons I why love I started, that. one of the reasons why I started writing journals recently is just to get back into poetry is just to kind of see the things that are happening in my life and just, you know, just, uh, you know, just kind of blurt it out on a page just so I can kind of get some of it out there. Um, Cause sometimes, you know, with all, when you're just holding in that negative energy and trying to harness it, it, it doesn't exactly, it kind of backfires. So then you don't get it done. Um, then you start judging yourself and you kind of go through this loop. And, uh, and then I transferred that into doing rap and, you know, into music and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, no, that's definitely that's amazing. A, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, that's just kind of where my, um, you know, because with, with writing, you know, like you just said, you know, you, you like kind of rewriting, redoing this kind of stuff. And, um, you find that flow state for me, finding the flow state is harder unless, uh, I have some type of rhythm to go with it. I'm not saying that, you know, writing doesn't have a, a rhythm to it. It's just easier for me to find it when there's music behind it, when there's um, words to rhyme. It just, uh, it kind of invigorates me into a different, uh, in a different sense. And uh, yeah, Ellie, I mean, you, <laughs> you've kind of uh, blown my mind a couple of times on this uh, podcast so far. Um, so, you know, I, I always ask uh, my guests this, you know, what would, what kind of, uh, what would your message to my audience be, whether it be people that have gone through similar experiences as you, um, you know, kind of doubtful in, in your case, but, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, maybe something, somebody that has a parent that they're trying to, the, that they're trying to forgive, but they can't maybe, you know, just somebody that's trying to figure out their life. I mean, what would you tell the people out there? What would your message be? That's an excellent question. Um, I think my message would be that regardless of the pain you have experienced or are experiencing now, your birthright is to experience love, connection, and ultimately expansion. And if you are in a place of being separated from that, that might be hard to hear. You know, that might be hard to to kind of like wrap your mind around, right? If you are in a place of extreme pain right now, that might be really difficult to hear that. Uh, And I would ask you, if you are in that place and you are having a hard time with realizing that you're not supposed to suffer, you're not here to suffer. And whatever has happened, its purpose is not to make you suffer. Its purpose is to help you uh, become who you really are underneath all of it right? Help you not even become, help you kind of identify, you know, and discover your true self underneath everything, right? All of, all of our pain is there to kind of help us discover ourselves. We're on this journey of self-discovery. And if you are having a hard time with that, I really urge you to 
be willing to see your situation differently and ask yourself the question, what would it take for me to find peace within myself, within this situation? And if you are willing to go down this path, the teachers will appear, the path will appear, the messages will appear, and everything that you need to guide you from exactly where you are in this moment to wherever it is that you want to go, your path will light up. And the most important thing is being willing, being willing to see your situation, not so much as a black and white, where you're kind of caged inside of it, but but as this fluid environment where by changing your perception, perspective, you can literally change who you are being in this moment and you can literally change your path going forward. Man, that's a, yeah, that's a great message. And, you know, I was just reminded, you know, you talked about like teachers, you know, kind of um, showing up and, you know, I think nature is one of the best teachers in the, mm-hmm. in the world, right? You know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, I even sometimes I quote now this, I don't know how verifiable this is, but, you know, in uh, the coordinate system, as we know it today, you know, people have uh, credited that with um, Rene Descartes and his you know, he was just looking at a fly on the wall and he ended up figuring out how to do the X, Y coordinates from that. And mm-hmm. I think that's just a fascinating idea because a lot of these things come from the natural world. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate you being on Ellie. I think, uh, you know, even as I'm um, interviewing you, I can tell that you, um, you know, I, I, I talk to people about energy a lot and it's very, it, it took me a while to kind of pick up on energy through Zoom. Uh, um, I, I'm much more an in-person type of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. type when I, when I talk to people, it's a little bit easier to do uh, some things, but, you know, I can definitely tell from speaking to you, even, you know, even just through the, throughout the conversation, I was very um, anxious in the beginning, but I had a lot of, um, you know, I started calming down after a while, after hearing some of your answers, after just, you know, focusing on what you had to say. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to really think about throughout this talk. So I really do appreciate you bringing that to the board and really, um, you know, giving my listeners, you know, who may be dealing with uh, some type of uh, mental illness, something to really put, you know, a way to put their life in perspective, right? Because when we think about um, changing perspectives, a lot of times it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, the definition of insanity, right? You know, when you, you do the same thing over and over again, and you're expecting different results, it's kind of the yeah. same thing. If you're looking at the wall and you're like, why isn't this a rainbow? You know, you're just looking at the wall. You're never going to see a rainbow there because you're just, you're just at the same place and you're not changing your perspective yeah. on things. So um, yeah, really well said. I really do appreciate you uh, taking the time to, uh, to do this. Yeah, thank you so much, Lucky, for having me here. You are a fantastic interviewer, and uh, and I can feel your energy, you know. And you're just uh, present and interested and interesting. And you're, I can tell that you're sharing this from uh, from your heart, and and I think it's uh, it's impacting lives. Hey guys, thanks for watching Mental Health Casual. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe for more videos.